listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We're continuing on with our show, our coverage, our amazing time that we spend together reflecting. We're going to get into God's Word and we're going to do a Bible study this morning. But before we get into it, let's have another question for the quiz. Our controversial quiz this morning. <laughs> controversial? It's <laughs> still being hotly debated here in the studio. Mm. Okay. If Goliath fought and won, what would be the outcome for the Israelites? Mm. Been a sticky situation. 0491064669. Give us a text or a call if you know the answer. If Goliath fought and had a won, what would have been the outcome for the Israelites? Let's just say we're glad he... Well, Goliath did fight. Oh. He lost. Yeah. So lost his head. We're <laughs> we're glad that it didn't work out for him. <laughs> hey, you guys have been a bit quiet this morning, uh, but we have been getting some text messages in about our quiz actually. And I had someone send me this. One of my friends, Johanna, she said this. There are actually thirteen tribes. Uh, this was in regards to the question that's been hotly debated. There are actually thirteen tribes. So the way the question was asked was technically incorrect. Are you referring to the Levites? Technically, they were a tribe, but they didn't have an inheritance. And you see, the thing is, is that in Israel, originally, there were actually 13 tribes. Um, and the 13th of those tribes was the tri of, tribe of Levi. Now, Levi didn't have an inheritance amongst the 12 because they didn't worship the golden calf. Now, you would think, like, wait, so they did the right thing and they didn't get an inheritance? What, what, what does that mean? But the reason they didn't get an inheritance um, is because they ended up becoming the priesthood of Israel because they didn't worship the golden calf. So the Levites, they didn't worship the golden calf, they become the priesthood, and as a result, they are the 13th tribe of Israel. They don't have an inheritance. And so the question was, like, which, which of the tribes are, like... Um, you know, which of the tribes, which which of these tribes is not a tribe of Israel? And there was one answer, and the answer was, you know, I'll just give it to you now. It was, it was Malachi. But the other answer that it could have been is Levi. And this is the point that I was making is because there was 13 tribes in Israel, but the 12 tribes of Israel did not include Levi. At least up until you get to Revelation chapter 7, where Levi is included in the tribes, as well as Joseph. You see, they replace, I believe it's Dan and Ephraim. Yeah, it is. They replace Dan and Ephraim. And this is actually some of the strong evidence that we have to suggest that in Revelation, when it talks about the 12 tribes of Israel and the 144,000, that it's not talking about literal Israel. It's not talking about the literal restoration of Israel or Zionism or any of those things, but it's talking about spiritual Israel. And how do we know it's talking about spiritual Israel? Well, it doesn't use the actual tribes of Israel. So that's a, that's a little bit of uh, some, some factoids this morning that you can, uh, you can dwell on, you can reflect on. But hey, let's have that question one more time. Just- <clears throat> I just want to say, I think for answering purposes, if you answered either Malachi or Levi, we're going to let you get into the draw. Yeah. So yeah, don't stress. Because you're correct. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, but the quiz uh, for right now is this, if Goliath fought and had of won, what would have been the outcome for the Israelites? 0491 mm, 0491-064669. <laughs> We're going to be drawing our prize at like 8.45 this yeah, morning. So guys, get your entries in. But we have come to the time where we are going to get into a Bible Woo-hoo. study. And it's going to be so fun. It's going to be super awesome. We're kind of capping off our theme for this week. We've been doing the crucible, which is the big pot that people get 
melted in. Uh, <laughs> that metal gets melted in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, but we're talking about what is the metal in this regards? It's yes. people. And who's who owns the pot? Jesus. And who's the goldsmith? Jesus. And the pot is this world of sin that we live in. Now, we've been talking about this week, our theme has been extreme heat. Examples when God's people are put in refining fire situations uh, to experience, <laughs> yeah, you know, Becoming more godly. We've talked about, you know, we talked about the story of Job. Uh, we've talked about Hosea. We've talked about Abraham. We've talked about, you know, Christianity itself. And we're just going to kind of continue on that thought, uh, continuing on with this, this idea of extreme heat. And we're going to be having a look today on how God deals with his people. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. So I'm going to be spending some time in the book of Isaiah, um, chapter 4. 43 and Monica if you would just be amazing and pick it up in Isaiah chapter 43 and let's read verse 1 and 2 But now O Jacob listen to the Lord who created you O Israel the one who formed you says do not be afraid for I have ransomed you I have called you by name you are mine mm. Did you read two as well Oh sorry when you go through deep waters I will be with you when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not burn up. The flames will not consume you. Mm. I love that. Rivers of difficulty and you won't drown. Yeah. God is good, man. So this is amazing. He's like, hey, you know, Israel, Jacob. Uh, and, and it's funny because this, this section comes after God, like, completely rebukes them. In, in, in my Bible, the previous passage is subtitled, Israel's Obstinate Disobedience. <laughs> obstinance like one of my favorite word like obs- obstinate one of my favorite words obstinance obstinate you know when you say like someone oh. has like an obstinate heart it means that they're they're stubborn they're unchanging um you know they're impenetrable you know th- this is the the situation that they're in and israel for much of their existence is incredibly obstinate, obstinate. yeah they are hardened towards God and they are not following him, even though it would be 100% in their best interest to do so. And as a result of not following him, they go through all kinds of trials and difficulties and tribulations, whether it's being captured or whether it's being dispersed or destroyed. It is 100% a result of just not following God and being obstinate. But then God says here, hey, like regardless, Israel, and he calls them Jacob because we know the reason that the Israelists Israel is called the nation of Israel is from because Jacob's name, the the progenitor of the tribes of Israel, uh, was originally named Jacob. So he says, Israel, Jacob, you know, my great nation, I will be with you. Nonetheless, no, no matter, you know, if you're going through these hardships or these trials, I am going to be with you. Now, what are some of the trials that it lists here that we see in, in verse 2? It talks about going through deep waters, rivers of difficulty, and fires of oppression and mm, flames. That's amazing. Now, yeah. d- were there, was there a time in which uh, the Israelites, you know, passed through some deep water? Yeah, man. Right at the beginning, that Red Sea. Yeah. yeah. Th- their Red Sea experience, they passed through some deep waters. Also crossing the Jordan as well Yeah, um, to get into the... It's like he's the reminding them of what he's done for them in the past. That's right. Yeah. They're going to be passing through the waters and God is going to be with them. This is a really incredible illusion, I think, not only to what they have been through, um, but what they kind of, the experience that they'll have following God. I, I think here, when I see this, they'll pass through the waters of difficulty. My mind immediately goes to the thought of baptism. Oh. Because, right, like, think about it. Baptism is a symbol of death. It's true. You yeah. get put down in the water and you die. Mm-hmm. 
like the and it is the water that is causing your death. The water represents a watery grave, and then you get raised to life. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and then you're like you know a new creation. Mm-hmm. And after the Red Sea experience, well, we can't necessarily say Israel in action was a new people, but God had definitely redeemed them. He had pulled them from the slavery and the oppression of the Egyptians. And so I, I think that's really, really beautiful, a really, really beautiful illustration that, yeah, they're going through the waters of difficulty. They are being baptized here um, by water. But then it follows up and it talks about the experience that they have with fire. And we know that in the Bible, we also have a phrase, you know, you'll be baptized but with water, but also you'll be baptized with fire. And with the spirit. And now Israel and a number of different times, you can say, okay, when was they, um, if, you know, when was fire brought upon them? And it specifically calls it the flame of persecution. Was that what it said in your Bible? Uh, the fire of oppression. The fire mm. of oppression. Now we know that Israel and Jerusalem specifically, but many of the places in Israel were destroyed, were burnt down, whether you look at AD 70 or even further back, you know, when you look at their destruction by the Babylonians, their captivity by the Assyrians, whatever it may be. Um, they were definitely destroyed um, by fire. And that was Yes, very much an incredible test of their faith. I think particularly in regards to, you know, the Jews, um, though the, the, Jude- the Judeites, the, those who are from um, Jerusalem and Judea, because, like, they went through this experience. The Israelites, like, get captured by the Assyrians and no longer exist. Uh, the You know, the Jews, those from Judea, um, they actually come back from their captivity and Jerusalem and Judea is restored after they get destroyed and cap- captured by the Babyl- Babylonians. So they definitely have this experience of going through the fire. But the whole point is like, yet God will be with them. And that's incredible. Like he's ultimately communicating to them like, hey, I have a purpose for you. You're my people and I'm going to be with you no matter what hardship you go through. I love you. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And now let's see, for what purpose is God trying to save them from each one of these scenarios? So let's read maybe verse 3, verse 4. Let's read verse 3 to verse 5. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. You do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east to west. Mm. So ultimately he says like, I, I love you. Like mm. I, you are my people and I have decided, like I have saved you. It has been my decision to to put you first and to save you. Now, we could read this verse in a couple of different lenses. You know, you could come to this maybe from the Calvinist limited atonement point of view and say, oh, hey, that's because, like, God chose them to be saved and he chose no one else to be saved. And that's that's no. why, you know, he picks Israel here. What, what do you reckon, Monica? Do you reckon no. that's, like, the, the move? You know, do you reckon that's what's being communicated here? No, not at all. Mm. He doesn't say anything about you and no one else. Mm. Yeah. But he does say, say he saves their lives over the lives of, say, the Egyptians. Well, that's because the Egyptians were not followers of God. <clears throat> that, mm. And that was a decision they made themselves, not God didn't make that decision for them. Mm. You see, I, I think the thing that we need to understand here is that Israel's great purpose, their existence, 
comes from the fact, like, the, the yeah, the express existence of Israel is there uh, because... God wants it, to exemplify the relationship he wants to have with yeah, all people. And through Israel, how is that relationship going to be exemplified? The Messiah would be born. Yeah. So God has this special mission for Israel that they would bring forth the Messiah into this world. And so God is, you know, protecting him for that very fact. Now we know very clearly in the Bible, and you can read through uh, Daniel chapter 9, and you can see what happens at the end of the Gospels to really confirm this, that Israel wholly and solely rejects God. Even in the book of Acts, you read, you know, they, they stone Stephen, he becomes the first martyr. The temp- the veil of the temple tears in two after Jesus' Jesus's death because there's no more need for sacrifice, and there's no more need for sacrifice specifically in the temple in Israel. And so, like, because they reject God, then the Gospel goes out to the world. From Jerusalem, it goes all over the world and all these churches start all over the place, as opposed to before, where you had a literal nation of Israel. This system didn't work because these people rejected him. Um, And because these people rejected him and their purpose was served in bringing forth the Messiah, God then takes his hands off the reins. He says, hey, you've become like Egypt. Hey, you've become like Ethiopia and Seba and these other countries that, that I protected you against. Now you are like them, because now my purpose for my people is to share the message of Jesus... And you've ultimately rejected it. Yeah. There's still there's still an element of choice you can go with God or without God and, and mm. face the consequences of both. That's right. And so what I see here is, yeah, not limited atonement necessarily, not, oh, God just selecting them and not saving anyone else. Because you see the actions, particularly when we reflect on, say, the actions of Egypt, they ultimately rejected God. Like, that is why they were punished. Like, that is why they were, you know, went through the plagues and whatnot. In fact, in times in which God brought punishment upon them and then they chose to repent... God saved them. You can see that story of when Abraham goes to Egypt and, you know, Abraham makes a terrible decision and, and you know, decides to say that, oh, my wife is actually my sister. And then Pharaoh takes his wife for himself. And, and then he gets a dream from God. And it's like, okay, none of your, like the whole Egyptian race could have been wiped out at once, mm. actually, mm-hmm. um, because God is like, if you take Abraham's wife is your own. No woman in Israel, will, uh, no woman in Egypt will give birth ever again. And this is wholly and solely the fault of Abraham. Yet, as a result of all of this, the Egyptians repent and they yeah. say, hey, take the woman back. Like, we don't want her. We want to be right with God. Why have you done this to us? Like, sorry. And move on. Yeah. And so at that time, like, God allowed them to live. Like, God saved them. God was with Egypt. But ultimately, you get to a point where they reject him. And that point came as well for the Israelites. Now, let's continue to read here, though. Do you want to read verse 6 and 7 for us, Monica? I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Mm, This is amazing. He says, bring all. Yeah, back back to Israel. All my daughters and my sons of God. Now, this is Isaiah writing this mm-hmm. and in the in the time of Isaiah. And the ultimate illusion that is here is that hey, we need to to bring we're gonna bring Israel back together uh because like they're going to be saved and redeemed. And we see that this is what take what is what takes place. Isaiah ultimately prophesies the destruction of Israel and J- Jerusalem and Judea by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And he says to them, Oh, but despite your destruction, you will be gathered back together because through you the Messiah will come. Yeah. Which is like he's telling them ultimately, like, hey guys, like 
you are so special to God that even if you get completely dispersed, which they did, even if your nation no longer exists, God is going to call you back because you have a purpose to achieve that God wants to do through you. And what is that purpose? To bring forth the Messiah into the world, which they did. Yeah. And his name was Jesus. And what would Jesus achieve? You know, did Jesus like enable Israel to, from this point forward, you know, after his life, death, resurrection, did he enable Israel to be economically successful and have lots of land? No. No. In fact, yeah, very soon after Jesus, Israel was destroyed. Yeah. And they are still fighting to this day to get it back and to, Mm -hmm. you know, call Jerusalem the capital and to build a temple on the Temple Mount where a mosque is smack bang. No, God isn't saying he's going to gather them back together for their social or economic well-being. No, God is going to get them back together to bring salvation into the world. That's what he wants for the Israelites, and that's what he wants for us. We were reflecting a little bit. We were talking about, uh, you know, the quiz question and the the tribes of Israel, and actually in Revelation how it talks about the tribes in Israel as well, and we actually see that those tribes of Israel talked about in Revelation, the fact that they don't include actual tribes of Israel, that they replace them with different tribes, uh, gives us indication that we are now the tribes of Israel, and you can read the book of Galatians or Romans and get a very clear picture and idea of what they call what we call spiritual spiritual Judaism or being a spiritual Jew, being someone who has, you know, ultimately uh, been called to be a son or a daughter of God and to follow him. And this is because like, okay, why does God refer to them as spiritual Jews? Because the Jews were God's people for a time, you know, to bring the Messiah into the world. Uh, The Jews ultimately rejected God and now everyone can be included in God's people. You know, you can read this very clearly in Romans. It talks about the branch that is now grafted into the tribes and it's talking about the Gentiles. We are part of spiritual Israel. We are spiritual Jews. We are part of the promise uh, that God would save the world. Yeah. And that is amazing. Like, praise the Lord. Like, he's not exclusionary. He's not pushing us away. He didn't come just to save the Jews, but he came that through the Jews. And this is what Jesus says. Salvation is of the Jews. He came, like, he set up the Jews that through the Jews, everyone would be saved. Oh, and that's amazing. We all have the power um, to, to, to choose to be a part of God's people today. But again, reflecting on this passage, you know, reflecting on what it took to bring Jesus into the world, was this an easy mission for the Israelites? No, I mean, they failed it, right? Yeah, they failed it. <laughs> was, but not even was it like easy, um, but was it always like a good time? No, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. They went through captivity. They went through fire. They went through storms. Uh, they went through all kinds of incredibly difficult circumstances. Although I think they might have had a much better time if they just followed God's leading. Oh, one hundred percent. But something we've been reflecting on even this week, though, is whether we follow God or not. Hard times and difficulties can come upon us. Yeah. We live in a world of sin. But much easier to weather those storms in, within the blessing of Christ. Yeah, that's right. Under the shadow of the Almighty. The, you know, that's where we can make mm-hmm. it through. They, uh, the, most of their problems came upon them because they were actively going against God. Yeah, because yeah. we see in times in which they are living for God, uh, they were blessed yeah. incredibly. Uh, and they were able to be a witness to the world. Mm-hmm. But then they would go against God and then God would be like, oh, well. It's almost like they were just weathering the storms of life. But any time mm. they were going against God, they were literally throwing the life boy over, mm. overboard instead of using it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show. And we're going to have our 
final question Ooh. for the quiz. Complete this verse. Who shall separate us from the blank, blank, blank? I love that. Yeah. I love that. 0491064669. Come on now. You know the answer to this one. Complete this verse. Who shall separate us from the blank, blank, blank? Your final opportunity here, guys. Come on. Get in. Hey, we also want to remind you, hey, if you guys have any questions of the day, please send them in. 0491064669. If you have a question about the Bible, about spiritual things, hey, if you have a question about how to cook really good, any, anything to that. Well, we, we, also knows how to cook real good. We probably won't answer that one on air. <laughs> but what we will answer on air is any questions that you have about the Bible, religion, or spirituality. We would love to talk about it. Okay. And we will answer it on air. We have never not answered a question on air. Yeah, great. 0491 is the number to call a text. And speaking of text, I got this text message in. It's a bit of a lengthy one, but it's in regards to what we've been studying throughout the week. And I wanted to read it and reflect a little bit. It's really powerful. Good morning and blessings. I was thinking crucible is of individual sin or sins. Crucifixion and to individual sin and all sin. Everything leads to the cross, to our holy saviour, Jesus. Jesus is in the universe with us. Jesus is on the earth with us. And Jesus is in the crucible with us. God gave him, as we read in John 3.16. God didn't create the crucible. We did through sin. The crucible was in the heavens and thrown out. The crucible is now the earth an unpleasant place to be. When Jesus returns, he will make the earth to its original form, like a delight, and you know, a place of happiness and joy um, to experience. God didn't create the crucifixion. We did through sin. The crucifixion was meant for us to end our sins, but Jesus took it from us and put it upon himself that all men may be saved. Jesus will recreate our character through refining uh, refining it to the way it originally was meant to be, a mirror image of him. The fire which heats the crucible is the heavenly father. The crucible is the earth. Through the cross, Jesus is in the crucible with us to change us from sinful to sinless. In the image of God, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the crucible. Through knowing this, we know the law of God. Amen. Amen. That was sent in by <laughs> Wayne. Shout out, Wayne. Thanks, Wayne. And a, a beautiful text message mm. there. I think there's so much to reflect on here. He ultimately, like Wayne posits the idea, puts forward the idea that the crucible that we experience, we've been looking at extreme heat this week and how God's people went through a number of different trials. The crucible that we experience, the only reason why we experience it is because firstly, we caused it. Like we, we, we cause sin on this earth. You know, well, Satan is responsible as well, but we chose to follow him. He's the enabler of sin. We are the actors of sin. We chose to follow him into sin. Mm -hmm. So therefore now we live in a condition where there is friction. There is crucible. There is a heat, but we do not grow, go through the crucible alone. In fact, the reason we go through the crucible is because Jesus has gone through it first. Mm. That, that, that's why Jesus has done it for us. You know, Amen. as the Bible says, he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. As soon as there was a sinner, God had plans for a savior. In fact, before there was a sinner, God had plans for a savior. Jesus Christ has been through the crucible himself. And how do we know this? Because it's like, wait, isn't, Je- like, isn't, isn't Jesus the goldsmith? Isn't he the one like operating the crucible that we go through? 
the, the reason he's operating the crucible is because he became a human being and went through it. That, that, that's ultimately like, how do we know Jesus went through the crucible? Because this world, as this text message said so correctly, this world is the crucible. Mm. And Jesus Christ went through it first. Well, Jesus Christ wasn't the first person to live, uh, but he was the first person to actually go through the crucible, be fully refined and sinless. And now we can take upon us um, his, his, the promise that he's made, that he will save us and he will bring us through the crucible. Now, the idea then here is like, like we're refined and our character becomes more like his. And I love it at the end here. It's like through knowing this, we know the law of God. You know, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the crucible and through the understanding that the Holy Spirit gives us, we know the law of God and we have the ability to keep the law of God. Now, a big question comes up where it's like, oh, well, well how, what are, where, where do we draw the line on the law of God? Like, are we supposed to be like perfect before Jesus comes back? Like, we never sin or are we like, is God just okay with us sinning? And there's lots of different thoughts on this. What do you, what do you reckon, Monica? It's a very hot topic, isn't it, within the church? Um, I, I think that um, you do need to um, be perfect through Christ, but only to what you know. Mm. So having like a cookie-cutter example of what perfection is is just not possible mm. because people know different truths. Yeah, that's right. It, it, yeah. it can be tough. That being said, I want to turn to Revelation 14. This is, this is where we'll, because if we want to talk about a people who have been through the crucible, it's those at the very end of time. Yeah. Those who see Jesus come back without seeing death have been through a tribulation such as there never was. Mm-hmm. And they will be standing with Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation 14 and verse 1, Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having the Father's name written on their forehead. Yeah. We see here people standing with him. Another characteristic that it gives to this 144,000, it says, These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, and they were without fault before the throne of God. We see this group of people who is so refined, you could say, have been through such a crucible that they're standing before God without fault. And then the question comes up, oh, well, what does it mean for them to be without fault? And people, you know, bring up the topic of sinless perfectionism. And they're like, oh, is this talking about sinless perfectionism? That's not a biblical idea. Like, you know, Jesus was sinless and perfect, but but we accept Jesus so that we don't have to be that. Like, like what's the deal? What's taking place here? You know, we can talk about semantics, but what I see here. I see a bunch of people just relying on Jesus, relying on God. And so however far we get into our Christian journey before we see the Lord come again or before we pass away, however refined our character becomes, however sanctified we are, it is 100% as a result of the work of Jesus in our heart and in our lives. And so if you want to have the experience of being refined, if you want to have the experience of growing closer to Christ, you know, your behavior changing, your re- character being more like his, what we call sanctification. Because justification, you being saved, that is the work of a moment. You open your heart to accept Jesus and repent of sins, he will forgive you. But how do I change? It takes time. But if you want to have that experience, how does it take place? You follow the lamb wherever he goes. You rely on Jesus. He is the one that is wanting to do this work in your heart. Why? Because he loves you. And he he knows that you can't do it alone. This is the point. None of these people are standing alone. They're standing 
with Jesus, the Lamb of God, on Mount Zion. You can have this experience. So, hey, look, I we have gotten through our Bible study for this week, and and hey, if you have any other thoughts, we'd love to. We'd love for for you to let us know. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. But right now, we are going to get into another song and come back for question of the day and our draw. So, guys, please get ready for that. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. On Faith FM and Monica, Woo-hoo! right now it's, it's time. time. It's time to spin that wheel. All right, do we have the we have the wheel ready to go? With uh, all the people's names in it who have gotten all their answers right this week. That's right. So congratulations for those who answered quiz questions correctly. We have a whole host of entry, a, a gaggle, you could say, of quiz <laughs> quiz entrance. And we are about to spin the wheel to see who wins. So you can hear it. Can you hear it spinning? I can hear Brrr. it spinning. I can hear it spinning. It's turning, it's turning and turning. And, okay, we have a winner. We're going to get them on the phone. And before we do, let's have some quiz Ooh. questions. Oh, some answers. answers. Oh, yeah, let me get answers. the answers. Okay, so Peter and Andrew were living um, in Capernaum when Jesus called them to follow him. Uh, the, <laughs> we've already gone over the 12 tribes, and uh, we've. if you answered Levi or Malachi, we'll take both those answers uh, as being not one of the 12 tribes of Israel. The book of the Bible where you will find a vision of a wheel within a wheel is Ezekiel. Uh, Goliath, if he had fought and lost, the outcome for the Israelites would have been slavery. So, yeah, pretty uh, pretty dicey, pretty good that we um, <laughs> that David slew him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. a little slingshot. Good uh-huh. on him. Praise the Lord. And completing this verse, three words we were missing, who shall separate us from the blank, blank, blank? It was love, love of, of Christ. Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Amen. Indeed. Now, I believe we have our winner on <gasps> the phone. We're just plugging them into the system now. But Janelle, congratulations on winning the prize. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thank yeah. You. Oh, so you're gonna get this devotional book, this double set. What do you what are you gonna what are you gonna do with them? Are you gonna read them? Are you gonna maybe maybe you have plans? Maybe it could be a gift. Christmas present. You know, what what's your plan? Definitely. Oh, a bit of both actually. I think we have one of those, but not the other one. So uh, yeah. Oh, we could keep one and gift the other. I like wow. it. That's it. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Janelle, congratulations. Thank you so much for listening to the show and faithfully playing the quiz as well. We know that you are in the draw every week, but I believe this is the first time you've got the win. So congratulations. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And enjoy listening to you guys every day. So, yeah, you're a blessing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Janelle. Well, that is our winner for the prize. Well, but right now it is time for... Question of the day. Question of the day, Lawson, is this. What is LGBTQIA and what does the church have to do with this? Okay, so this is actually a question that was sent to Lyle uh, that was asked of Lyle when he was out doing a uh, evangelistic campaign and then he sent back to us and was like, hey, we should talk about this on air. And now this is a question that I was actually kind of reluctant in doing, not because I didn't want to do it, because I, but because I talked about this a couple weeks ago. But yeah. I think in reflection 
of just some of the things that have happened recently. I think it's worth talking about now. What is LGBTQIA? Well, it stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, and plus stands for the allies. Like, that's literally what it means. Now, the follow-up question is, what does the church have to do with this? Now, this... This idea of what does the church have to do with this has actually been um, considerably pondered upon, you know, within churches today. I think, well, in terms of actually this week, the Anglican church from all over the world, not just in England, but literally all over the world are having a meeting, a conference, what's what's called a Lambeth conference, to decide and determine how they feel about homosexuality and, you know, yeah, LGBT in the church. Um, their current stance, according to, you know, their, their set of beliefs is that, you know, homosexual practice is incompatible with scripture and they're having a vote on whether to reaffirm that or discuss it further or reject it. And as a result, there's been all kinds of opinions from each side of the Anglican Church, whether, you know, there are those on the side that, hey, this is, you know, the, we should stay with our traditional stance on LGBTQIA, and then those on the other side that says, oh, no, we should change. We we should get rid of this statement that says that LGBTQIA or, or homosexual practices are incompatible with Scripture. We should We should get rid of them. And so the I, the question of, okay, what does the church has to do with this actually varies from place to place because there are Christians on all sides of this issue. Now, the thing is, as a Christian, all we can do is reflect on this issue based on what the Bible says. Now, I definitely um, also am an advocate of reflecting on this issue based on the science, based on the research. And the last time I talked about this topic, which was a couple of weeks ago, that's what I did. I, I made the statement, hey, there are actually a lot of reasons why I wouldn't be LGBT affirming that have nothing to do with the Bible um, that actually come from the health risks and from all, you know, the whether it's the, you know, the AIDS rate within the homosexual community, whether it is the suicide rate within the trans community. I see this lifestyle. I see that is so difficult and I see it's so harsh and I'm really sympathetic towards these people and their struggles and I think that their solution is, I, I actually truly and wholly and solely believe that their solution to their issues is that they need they need help. They need they do need help. But all we can do is say, okay, what does the church have to do with this? You know, when we talk about a spiritual context, a spiritual setting, you know, because as we brought up over the, the last week in regards to the Manly Seagulls players and the Pride jerseys, um, that there are people who aren't necessarily religious who don't agree with the LGBT ideology, but how can we reflect on scripture? Now we see, you know, all the way back in the Torah and the first five books of the Bible, the denunciation of homosexual practice as of recent, there has been some kind of pushback against this people. I, Christians are claiming that this is old Testament and no longer applicable or Christians claiming some people saying that, Oh no, this is talking about pedophilia. This isn't talking about homosexual practice, which, you know, like, and they say that for like the reason they have for that, it's, it's almost like a meme, like the, the reasoning that they use to come to that conclusion. They're like, Oh, in the German Bible it actually talks about pedophilia. I'm like, the Bible wasn't originally written in German. It was written in Hebrew and Greek, mm. <laughs> but all we have to do to know what a Christian, how a Christian should feel about this issue is just go to a book in the New Testament. And again, books in the New Testament are based on books of the Old Testament. You know, the reason books of the New Testament are there is because they're compatible with books of the Old Testament. All we have to do is go to the New Testament and read, what does the New Testament say about 
this particular issue. And all I have to do is go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 26, where the Bible says this, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men leaving the natural use of the woman burn in their lust for each other, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetous, malicious, maliciousness, <laughs> full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, um, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And now there's like a lot that's being said here, but I want to focus on this very last section because it says, okay, obviously it puts homosexual practice in this category of sin that is wrong. Now it finally says that they, these people are deserving of death. When are they deserving of death? Well, it says at the end of this verse, uh, in, in verse 32, sorry, at the end of this chapter, knowing the righteous judgment of God, when will they deserve death <laughs> under the judgment of God? Like this is this is the ultimate outcome because all sin practice, if you live a life of sin, if you live to 100 years old living a life of sin and dying under regular, like natural circumstances, you still will be liable to the judgment of God. And so ultimately God has said this is unnatural and we know scientifically and we know health-wise that it is. It is not good for us. It is against his judgment. It is against his design. It is against what he has created. And ultimately, if you practice it, knowing the righteous judgment of God, you will be condemned. But this is the point. Look at the category that it's put in. You know, we're not putting a target on the LGBTQ. We're putting a target on all sin, lying, murdering, all of it. It needs to go. So yeah, that's some thoughts, some reflections from the Bible. And hey, I've got one more text message to finish off the day. Uh, turn to Jesus, uh, you know, regarding to the footy. I pray they stop using it as a platform for ideology of any kind. Amen. And please get well, Lyle. Amen. <laughs> that was from Sherry. Shout out, Sherry. Thank you so much for your text message. We've come to the end of the show, and we've come to the end of this week, so we're not going to be here tomorrow, but we would advise you guys to have a lovely rest tonight and tomorrow and spend time with Jesus this weekend getting to know him better. Remember to talk faith, to live faith and to act faith and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again God be with you till we meet again By his counsel's guide of Sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.